grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a new series called Family Matters. We are all impacted by our family that brought us into the world in good, sometimes not so good ways. We didn't choose our family, and yet it seems we're stuck with them. Pastor Sean's going to share some great advice on how we process our family experience impacts how we interact in our most important relationships. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. It's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part one of the message called Rethinking Family. Pastor Sean starts off in Mark chapter 6. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. It's his blueprint that's going to be our guide, because that's our desire as we talk about any subject, but particularly the subject about family. What does the Word of God say? What is, what's God's design? And last week we actually looked at that. We looked at God's design, and we learned that life is to be lived in community, so it begins in a community called family. Called family. He created us for a relationship and placed us in this relational community for us to grow and learn. And we saw all the different things that happened in family, and we saw that God has a design, and just because our culture maybe has rejected his design and walked away, that doesn't negate the creator's intention and his design and his commitment to that. And it doesn't negate the blessing that comes when we follow his blueprint. We also saw that there are a lot of families that aren't walking in that design. Maybe there's people even here who, who look, you're in a place where you go, yeah, I intended one thing for my family, but it didn't go the way I intended. And I'm a single mom, a single dad, and I didn't expect to be in this place. And So what is there for me? And we saw that no matter what state you find your family in right now, if you will surrender it to the Lord's leadership, if you will surrender it to his word, he will begin to bless. He will do more than you imagine possible. He will give beauty for ashes, and he can do something amazing in your family. No exceptions. If we will surrender to his purpose and his calling. And so that was a great word of encouragement and hope for us. And this week, as I told you, we want to talk about our family of origin. Our family of origin. We all come from a family of origin. Sometimes we have great memories, and that was a great thing, and sometimes not so much. So we did a little survey. We asked some people, okay, around here. We said, if, if you could be part of one of these other families, if you could choose vi- a different family of origin, which one of these would you choose? And now, I'm going to have to do some translating for people who are under 30 on some of these, okay? You can tell the age of the person who did this survey, all right? Here's, here's the families, the Cunninghams, the Incredibles, and the Waltons. The Cunninghams, the Incredibles, and the Waltons. Okay, I got to do a little survey here. How many of you know who the Cunninghams are? Yes, look at all the old people. <laughs> okay, some of you guys need to go, some of you young people need to go to TV land and look up Happy Days. Happy days, okay? Arthur Fonzarelli, Richie Cunningham, the Cunningham family. Hey, that's exact. Oh, look at all the. I'm not going to say anymore. Okay, now let's do a little bit younger one here. Who knows who the Incredibles are? Yes, and all the kids are there. Yes, the Incredibles. They are incredible. And how about the Waltons? Anybody know who the Waltons are? No. Yeah, exactly. What's, all right, what's the, what's the money line from the Waltons? Good night, John boy. Good night, John boy. Oh, my heart warms thinking about it. 
All the good night, good night, good night, John boy. Light goes off. Mmm, mmm. This is, I mean, that's the 70s, okay? I watched that show in the 70s, so that's how that rolls, okay? So in our survey, here's how families, here's how families chose, all right? And remember, the Waltons were a, a Depression era, just really neat big family that weathered the storms and just showed a lot of love, and it was a really neat, warm show, all right? 17% of people said, we would like to be one of the Cunninghams, okay? 17%. That was our smallest one. I think Arthur Franz really creeped him out, okay? Sorry. <laughs> Henry Winkler, you were cool back then, but I don't know. Uh, 25% chose the Incredibles. 25%. 58% chose the Waltons. 58%. Oh, look. Oh, Waltons get a cheer. Okay. Here's how I read that. Okay, 25% for the Incredibles, 58% for the Waltons. That many more people chose the Depression and outhouses over superpowers. Seriously? Okay, this is not hard for me, all right? All right, let's look at why. Why did they say that? Because they gave some reasons why, okay? Melody said, well, I chose the Waltons because it's a large family with strong values and faith, and it was. It was a great part of the show. Jennifer chose the Incredibles because she said that learning to work together and overcome evil, which I thought was a great, great answer. Jim said, I like the idea of being helpful as a protector, together as a family. Chose the Incredibles. Dee Dee said, the Waltons knew the value of caring for others, the value of respect. They cared for one another and they had the value of respect. Melissa talked about, she chose the Waltons, said, they always looked after each other. Family was important. It was the benefit of being in a family that would be constant in love with no judgments. That's a pretty appealing deal. Joe said, the Waltons, it was a simpler time, closer to each other, and a slower pace. There is something really attractive about that, isn't it? In our world, in our pace, that's a very attractive idea. Jennifer chose the Incredibles and said, well, they stand together during times of adversity. I like that. And then Mark chose the Cunninghams, okay? Chose the Cunninghams, he said, because, well, it looks like fun. And they're a happy family to be with. They always had positive outcomes, and it's the, ben- the benefit of being with this family would be joy, would be joy. And so I thought those were great answers. I thought that was a really interesting kind of survey to put together. See, I think there's something in all of us that sometimes looks at other families and then our own family of origin and go, boy, if I could be part of that or... If I could be. And I want to preface some people, your family of origin and your natural family relationships are incredible and they're one of the greatest gifts in your lives. But a lot of people, that's not necessarily how they feel. See, here's the truth. We were all impacted by our family of origin in good ways and maybe some not so good ways. That's just true and that's just honest. And what's interesting is because of that, as we grow up and become adults, we have a unique dynamic as we continue to relate to our family of origin. We're not in the same house anymore. We develop our own households, but there's that relationship that we continue to carry on. Because, see, we didn't choose them, yet it feels like we're stuck with them, doesn't it? I mean, we didn't choose them. That's what's unique. All our other relationships we typically have a choice in. Family of origin, we didn't. We were just, that's where we were raised. That's where we were born. That's where we were raised. And we didn't choose them. And yet there's this closeness. Even if there's division and things, 
holidays, and even if we're totally estranged, there's that part of our mind that just says, wow, I remember, and they impacted me. In the way, we're stuck with them. And here's what's important. Here's why we want to talk about this this morning. How we process our experience in our family of origin, how we carry that into the current day, it greatly impacts how we relate in every other relationship in our lives. It will affect how we deal with our current family, where we're the adult and we're raising. It has a great impact on it. It'll affect how we deal with people at work, how we carry out relationships, how we deal with people here at church, friendships, social circles. Every relationship that we have will be impacted by how we process and how we deal with the good, the bad, and honestly, the sometimes ugly from our families of origin. So this is a really important topic of discussion. And as I think about this, you know, my question, I was, okay, I want to start right at the top. Did Jesus ever speak to this? Did he ever talk to this? Did he ever have to deal with family of origin type of stuff with anybody? And actually, as I look, the answer is yes, with his own family. You may not be aware, Jesus had some real struggles with his family of origin. Let's take a look at them. We're going to start out in Mark chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Mark 6, 1 through 4. Look what the scripture says. It says, He, Jesus, went away from there and came to his hometown. This is Nazareth. Came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? People had never seen someone like Jesus. I mean, really, they heard religious teachers all the time, but they'd never seen or heard anybody like Jesus. We sometimes are a little bit immune because we're so ingrained in the teaching of Jesus, even unchurched people. We don't know that things like turn the other cheek, Jesus, go the second mile, Jesus, love your neighbor, Jesus, love one another, Jesus. So all these phrases that we just understand and are part of our vernacular growing up in the States, those came from Jesus. His teaching was so fresh, so powerful, so radical. And he did these mighty works. And so these people in his hometown are amazed at what happens. How are such mighty works done by his hand? But then they start thinking. And they start talking to one another. Wait a minute. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters right here with us? And they took offense at him. And they took offensive. Isn't that interesting? It's like at first, it's almost like in the, if from a distance, it's like, oh my, what a great teacher. What an incredible leader. Oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden they went, wait a minute. I know him. That's the carpenter kid. He's a carpenter, right? And he grew up here. Wait, wait, his brothers, I know his brothers and, and his sisters, they're like here with us. They're, they're all here. And they took offense at him. Isn't that interesting? You know what an expert is, right? Someone from out of town with a briefcase. That's an expert. Someone in town with a briefcase. No, 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 they're just in town. We didn't pay enough to get his advice. Let's pay more to get someone else's advice. I don't care the content of the advice. An expert is someone, it's someone strange, it's someone I don't know. Because I don't know all of the history. I don't know their humanity. I don't know their ups and downs and the times their theories didn't work. I want someone who I just have to take what they say at face value and then because at least it gives me hope that maybe they're the perfect person with the perfect ideas and and they've got all the answers but the minute i know them it's like oh you ever been in a group where everybody grows up and then someone grows up to become 
famous or wealthy or truly successful, you ever notice sometimes how some people get a little resentful? Like, who does she think she is? How dare? It's like all they did was be successful. It's human nature. And Jesus actually addressed it. Look what he says. They took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. That's just the truth. He says, A prophet will be honored everywhere, except family, his hometown, his people who know him. It's just the truth. And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Rethinking Family, in the series Family Matters. This is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry to continue to bless others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And another way to bless the ministry is pick up the latest book from Pastor Sean. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Rethinking Family. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Now, Luke actually tells us a little more of the story. Mark goes on to another account of what happens. But Luke brings in a few more details of what happened. Here's what Luke says. This is Luke 4, 29 through 30. This is after they took offense at him, after Jesus said what he said. He also said some other things, which if you, you go back and read the text, he made some observations about this prophet's not without honor except in his hometown, that got them really angry. It says, and they rose up and they drove him out of the town, brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. I mean, this is full-on villagers with pitchforks and lanterns. So they could throw him out, but passing through their midst, he went away. That's one of the coolest little passages in Scripture because they don't tell us how that happened. They literally, so they get far enough, they physically grabbed him dragging him to the edge of this cliff. Something happened. We're not told. But all of a sudden, can they just not see him? Did he get lost in the confusion in their mind? But we're told he just passed through their midst. The implication is God did something supernatural and miraculous. And he leaves. So we have that account, but there's something missing from the account. And maybe you caught it. Maybe you are surprised by it. See, there's there's no mention of his family sticking up for him. His brothers and sisters were there. They're right here, they said. There's no mention of his brothers and sisters going, well, I know he's a little, you know, he's one of us and he's a little out there, but come on, come on, it's our brother. Stop, stop. Don't do this. There's no mention of them saying a word. Their silence speaks volumes. How did they really feel about him? Well, Mark gives us a picture a few chapters earlier from what we just read in Mark 3, 20, 21, we find out how they thought about him. 
Mark 3, 20, 21 says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. This is a group of people gathered around and so pressed in. Some people believe this was in Capernaum, where Jesus was staying. They went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And people are ministering. They're interested in what Jesus says, his healing, his teaching. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, he's out of his mind. That's what his family thought of him. They were saying, he's out of his mind. So you see how Jesus' family looked at him and saw him. What were the family conversations like around the table when he wasn't there? Stop and think about it. Did you hear what he's saying? Did you hear what he is saying? Oh my gosh, he's lost it. Thank God dad's not here to hear it. He would roll over in his grave. Are you kidding me? He's crazier than Uncle Simeon. And Uncle Simeon's nuts. It's like he thinks he's God or something. Are you? This, they thought he was out of their mind because this, they'd never seen anything like it. They didn't know how to process this. In fact, John chapter 7, verse 3 through 5, gives us a, a picture of his, kind of how they really viewed him. He stays back, doesn't go up to Jerusalem, but his brother said to him, leave here, go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. And they said this, for no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. Oh, they're trying to be helpful, are they? If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Look what it says. They weren't weren't trying to be helpful. John tells us, for not even his brothers believed in him. Not even his brothers believed in him. See, Jesus, while he's fully God, was also fully man. He was a person. He got tired. He got lonely. He had a mission to share and spread the kingdom of God, to raise up disciples, and he knew ultimately that mission would lead to the cross where he would give his life. And Jesus had times where he needed just someone to be with him, to encourage him. He would have loved his family to understand, to support him, and encourage him. But the fact is, they didn't. They didn't. And I think a lot of us maybe understand and feel that. Like I said, again, if your family experience was just incredible, and you guys all love the Lord, and you connect with each other and support and encourage each other, there's no perfect family. We understand that. But give thanks for that. Give thanks for that dynamic. But for a lot of us, it felt differently. And I just want to say, Jesus knows and he understands. And the real question for us now is, okay, what did Jesus do about it? How did he handle it? Did he stand up at a family meal and tell them all off? Because I want the text of that talk. No. Here's how he handled it. A little bit later in Mark chapter 3, after they tried to grab him because he was out of his mind crowd was sitting around him and they said to him your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you and he answered them who are my mother and my brothers and looking about at those who sat around him he said here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God he is my brother my sister and my mother whoever does the will of God he is my brother my sister and my mother let me pray for us Lord thank you for your example. I thank you that the scripture says you have experienced and suffered and walked through things just like we have. And you did it without sin. And I thank you that we have your example of how you handled these issues with your family of origin. 
I pray that you would speak to us and help us to hear. And I pray that you would encourage us to follow in your footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen. Who is my family? Whoever does the will of God. And I want to suggest to you, Jesus isn't just stating a very important principle. He's giving you a key as to how he handled this and how you can handle your family of origin. And and remember, the whole point is to come to a place of health so that every relationship, including the relationships with our family of origin, are better because of what we let God do in our hearts. So here's the key. Here's what Jesus did for himself and what I think he would say to us. One of God's greatest gifts to every one of us is our second family. One of God's greatest gifts to every one of us is our second family. Write that down if you're taking notes. That's a very important concept, and it's what Jesus himself did and understood as he walked through this family process. See, Jesus knew he had another family. Didn't mean that his family wasn't his family. It just meant they weren't all. And just because they couldn't encourage him, just because they didn't believe yet, just because they didn't understand, there were those who did. And he said, you want to know who my mother, brother, sisters are? The believers, those who do the will of Father and who walk in the community together. He understood that he had another family. And what I want to say to you this morning, if you have those struggles with family of origin, maybe in adult relationships, brothers, sisters, parents, adult children, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever. You have those struggles, but yet you're still connected with those people. We're we're getting ready to enter into the holiday season where we will probably get together with some folks who we feel like don't get us, who we carry around some hurts, some doubts, some questions in our relationships. As we prepare for that, I want you to understand something. You have another family, just like Jesus did. See, I want to say to you, if you, when it comes to your family of origin, if your experience was not good, God's not done, you have a second family. And you need to dial down into that. If your needs, relational needs, emotional needs were unmet, I want to say to you this morning, God's not done, you have a second family. If your entire paradigm of family, that word even, for you is shaped by hurts and offenses of the past, It's time to get a new paradigm because you have a second family. You have a second family. And that's how Jesus dealt with this. And I want to challenge us. That's how we should do this. Now, there's some things that we need to do that will lead to us walking in, actually experiencing the reality of this second family that God gave. Let's start with this. One, let God be your father. That's where it starts. Let God be your father. Jesus understood. Remember, even when he was 12 years old, Got law. Remember, the family had all gone to celebrate Passover, and then they, they went back, and he stayed, and so they lost him. And on the way back, his mom and Joseph come, and they're panicked looking for him. They find him in the temple. And, and the, the language of the Scripture is really cool and really clear. Remember, Mary says, Son, why'd you do this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you. Remember what Jesus says? Didn't you know I would be here about my father's business? No disrespect to Joseph but a loving, gentle reminder, remember, I have another father. And I have to be about his business. And some of us need to be reminded this morning, we have another father. We have another father. Now, we understand, we we hear, oh, God our father. God's our father. Um, And sometimes we just throw that general term, well, isn't he all our father? Aren't we all God's children? No, we're not. According to Scripture, we are not all God's children. 
We're all his creation. He loves every single person on the planet, but they're not all his children. Because Scripture tells us, John chapter 1, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who called on his name. The children are those who understand their need, their sin, and cry out to him and receive the gift, the free gift that Jesus has offered. His death on the cross, salvation. Those are the children. And I think we understand and we receive him as Savior and Lord. We understand the plan of salvation. We understand the forgiveness of the cross and we're so grateful. He's my Savior, my forgiver. He's my Lord. He's my leader. We understand that. But what about Father? We throw that word around a lot, but do we really understand what that means? See, Jesus modeled for us this idea of Father. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what he said? And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father. That's a very distinctive phrase. It's a common phrase for a child, dad, or to daddy. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series Family Matters, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.